What were we before Christ? Two things. Foolish and disobedient. The term foolish here speaks of without understanding. This is the first of a long list of descriptions concerning what we used to be. And apart from Christ, everyone is foolish. Everyone is without understanding. Thanks for joining us for this weekend edition of Equipping the Saints with Greg Lundstedt. Equipping the Saints is a daily radio outreach from Equipping Bible Church in Greer, South Carolina. And Greg, perhaps one of the most difficult habits to break is judging others by their outward appearance. We just almost instinctively draw conclusions about people we see without really knowing anything about them. You know, Dave, that's really true. And left to ourselves, we tend to be quite judgmental and arrogant. But yet Christ did not save us so that we could be the the world's moral policemen. He saved us so that by his strength we would glorify him and thus live righteously in the midst of a sinful and wicked world and, and that we might have compassion on those who are lost in their sins. So today we're going to see how we're to not only view others, but how we are to view ourselves in light of what Christ has done for us. Our text is Titus chapter 3, and we're going to be looking at verse 3. Well, thanks, Greg. Now, if you want to listen to today's broadcast again, just download our new free app from the Apple App Store. You'll find today's broadcast, archived broadcasts, as well as more about this ministry and our teacher, Pastor Greg Lundstedt. Now, let's join Greg for today's message. To malign no one, verse 2, to be uncontentious. We saw that word speaks of being without battle or without contention. So often we want to contend earnestly for the faith. Well, we don't realize that that message in Jude is towards false teachers, not towards non-believers. We do not contend with non-believers for the faith. We are to be uncontentious. For the Lord's bondservant is not quarrelsome, Paul would tell Timothy, but he is able to teach, patient when wrong, with gentleness correcting those in opposition. If perhaps God might grant them repentance. We are to be uncontentious, and we also saw that we are to be gentle. We looked at that word. It's a different word for gentle than what's usually used in Scripture. It speaks of forbearing. It's used in Philippians chapter 4, verse 5. Let your forbearing spirit be known to all men. It speaks of gently yielding one's rights. We're to be uncontentious in the world. We are to gently yield our rights. Boy, that's missing a lot in the church these days. So many people will go to their work and a non-believer will swear around there and say, how dare you swear and use the Lord's name around me? Is that uncontentious? Is that gentle? As we're going to see, they don't know Christ. They can't do anything but that. And we were just like them. You're not giving a pass for sin. You're just being gracious and like the Savior uncontentious, and gentle. And then we saw this last portion in verse 2, showing every consideration for all men, and we looked at it in depth. It literally means demonstrating all gentleness for all men. The word consideration is actually the same word translated meekness or gentleness. It is used in Matthew 11 to describe our Savior, the only time that the Lord Jesus Christ describes Himself when He says in Matthew 11:28, Come to Me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am, and here is the word, gentle and humble in heart, and you shall find rest for your souls. 
The word speaks of strength under control. It is meekness. It is strength that accommodates weakness. Yes, we are strong in the truth concerning Christ, but non-believers do not understand. They need the gospel. And they need the gospel from those who are uncontentious, who are ready for every good deed, who are maligning no one, who are gentle, showing and demonstrating consideration towards all men. Are you like the Savior, believer? If you're a believer in Christ, are you like the Savior? We were saved to be made like Christ. And we are being reminded here from the Word what we are to be. Do you demonstrate meekness towards every man? Do you demonstrate that in your life? Do you demonstrate meekness? We need to stop telling non-believers to act like believers. We tell non-believers, you need to act this way. We need to yield graciously. We need to stop contending. But you say, what then do we do? How do we make the gospel known? Folks, we see how God does it. He has prepared the good works for us to walk into. It is so simple. When non-believers see the life of Christ in us, when they see that we are not weary and heaven laden, and they see the gentleness of Christ in us, when they see that we have hope, they might ask why we have hope. And I mentioned last week, I have never yet once seen anyone in a debate concerning evolution say, why do you have hope, Christian? Folks, we need to share the gospel rather than contending. First Peter chapter 3. Verse 14, but even if you should suffer for the sake of righteousness, you are blessed. Do not fear their intimidation and do not be troubled. And here's what we should do instead, but sanctify or set apart Christ as Lord in your hearts. Do what he says. If Christ is Lord of your heart, then you want to do what he says. You want to be gentle. You want to be uncontentious. You want to do what he says. Sanctify Christ as Lord of your hearts, always being ready to make a defense to everyone And then here's the qualifier who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you. Why do you have hope? And he says here, yet with gentleness and reverence. And keep a good conscience so that in the things which you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. So then we are to be ready for every good deed. We are to malign no one. We are to be uncontentious. We are to be gently yielding, forbearing. We are to be forbearing. And we are to be showing meekness, demonstrating it towards all men. But why is it we are to do this? Why are we to be this way? Why are we to act this way in the world? And this is where we come to our passage today. I'm going to start back in verse 1, and we'll read through verse 3. Remind them to be subject to rulers, to authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good deed. And we're being reminded right now to malign no one, to be uncontentious, gentle, showing every consideration for all men or towards all men. And here's why. Here's an explanation. For we also once were foolish ourselves. We were just like them. We were fools. We once also were foolish ourselves, disobedient, deceived, enslaved to various lusts and pleasures, spending our life in malice and envy, hateful, hating 
one another. We're going to see a picture today of what we were like before Christ saved us. No matter how you think of yourself, this is what God says we were like. And some of you today may realize I am like that and I need a Savior. For we also once were foolish. He starts out verse 3 with the term for, which means it does not stand on its own. Verse 3 does not stand on its own. It is connected to what he has just said. He said, remind them of these things to be this way towards government and towards all men. Why? For we were just like them. We were just like them. And we'll see later on in verse 4, but God saved us. God saved us. He's saying, submit, obey, unbelieving governments, be ready for every good deed, don't malign anybody, be uncontentious, gentle, yielding your rights, demonstrating meekness and gentleness. And why? Because we were once like them. That's the motivating factor that we're going to see. And we're going to see in Scripture many times in Scripture, and there are so many passages in which God shows us the way we were in light of who we are now to motivate us to right behavior in Christ. And this is one of those passages. Verse 3, 4, we also once were a very simple but powerful statement that we so easily forget in our unrighteous arrogance towards those who don't know Christ. We so easily elevate ourselves because of what Christ has done, not recognizing that we also once were. You could literally translate this, for we were continually habitually in the past. The tense speaks of action in the past that was continual and habitual. We were continually once or formerly also. This statement links every believer to what they used to be. It links everyone together. It levels the playing field when we come before those who do not know Christ. Now, many people have an ignorant and, quite frankly, prideful view of what they were before Christ. We can be tempted to think we were much more than what we really were. For we were also once foolish ourselves. One 19th century pastor wrote it this way concerning this portion. No man here has any idea of how bad he really is. You really don't know how good the grace of God can make you, nor how bad you are by nature, nor how bad you might become if that nature was left to itself. For we also once were. Now as we look at this passage, we're going to see basically four areas that he explains that we were. We're going to see four areas. We're going to see basically kind of a picture of ourselves first, then we're going to see how we were led astray, and then we're going to see the way we actively look And then we're going to look at our relations between one another. So first of all, we see, for we also once were foolish ourselves. I believe we're going to see that we were just fools and disobedient just like them. Pretty simple statement. It speaks of our identity based on our actions. What were we before Christ? Two things, foolish and disobedient. The term foolish here speaks of without understanding. This is the first of a long list of descriptions concerning what we used to be. And apart from Christ, everyone is foolish. Everyone is without understanding. Everyone is ignorant concerning God. We were all this way. Don't pat yourself on the back. Don't think you became knowledgeable enough to come to Christ. 
we also were foolish, all of us, ourselves. And this is what the Apostle Paul shares in Ephesians chapter 4, and I'm going to read it. You can just flip back to Ephesians chapter 4. We'll look at verse 17, where Paul motivates us to right behavior by saying the way we were, and not to be that way right now. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17 This I say, therefore, and affirm together with the Lord, it's pretty important, that you walk no longer just as the Gentiles also walk. Don't walk the way you used to walk. Don't walk the way they walk. And how do they walk? Listen to all these things that have to do with their thinking. In the futility of their mind or emptiness or vanity of mind, being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of what? The ignorance that is in them, because of the hardness of their heart. And they, having become callous, have given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of immorality with greediness. But you did not learn Christ in that way. We also once were foolish ourselves. Don't forget when you are in front of non-believers, they are ignorant. They do not know. We try to make them think like us, and we do it in ways that are ungodly, and we were once that way too. And folks, if you have not repented of your sins and trusted in Christ, by God's definition, you are a fool. You are foolish. You are ignorant of the truth. You are a fool, but I need to remind us that we were all fools, all of us. What does Paul say in the book of Romans in chapter 3 as he sums up, as he sums up the case against everybody in mankind? He says in Romans chapter 3, as it is written, verse 10, there is none righteous, not even one. There are none who understands. We were once foolish, right? Before Christ, we didn't understand. And some of you don't understand. And the only way you will understand is as God convicts you of your sin and you repent and believe in Christ, then you will understand. Apart from God's grace, love, mercy, convicting a heart and bringing salvation in Christ, we were all fools. And folks, we need to recognize when we deal in the world that they're foolish. They don't understand. Don't contend with them, but be forbearing. Let your gentleness be demonstrated towards them. Why? Because we were just like them too. And then God saved us. Everyone before Christ was without understanding. That's why we can't talk people into the kingdom. That's where apologetics falls flat on its face. They need to hear the gospel, the good news of Christ. And when someone believes and comes to faith in Christ, then will they believe in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and we don't need to convince them. Folks, in the churches these days, too, we have false teachers trying to win fools with fools' methods. Many of their converts are merely make-believers, still following their own desires, with them now renamed in Christian lingo. You can't win foolish with the foolish ways. It is the gospel alone. And folks, we were once ignorant, continually, habitually. But what else were we? Folks, he says here, for we also once were foolish ourselves. And then he says, disobedient. 
We were once continually disobedient in the past, all the time. And from God's point of view, continually, habitually disobedient. And the same word translated in the Old Testament in the Septuagint, which is the Greek translation, speaks of rebellion. And the Greek word is apathes, which comes from a negation of patheo, which means to persuade. It speaks of not persuading. It came to have the idea of not believing or not being persuaded. And then ultimately the idea of not believing and thus not obeying. And therefore we have this term. It came to kind of understand the idea of being disobedient. One who disregards authority. Disregards what God says. Disobedient. And that was our state. That was our state. We were once this way. This word is used five times in Scripture, twice concerning disobedience to parents in Romans 1.30 and 2 Timothy 3.2, speaking of the degeneration of unbelieving society. It is used in Acts chapter 26, verse 19, concerning the Apostle Paul as he testifies before Agrippa that he was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. He obeyed what the Lord Jesus called him to when he saw Christ on the road to Damascus. And it was used spoken from the angel Gabriel to Zacharias concerning what John the Baptist would do in preparing the way for the Lord Jesus. Luke chapter 1, verse 17. And it is he who will go as a forerunner before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of their fathers back to their children and the disobedient, that's everyone without Christ, to the attitude of the righteous so as to make ready people prepared for the Lord. And lastly, it's a characteristic of false teachers back in Titus earlier in chapter 1, the very last verse. He says they profess to know God. They claim to know God, but by their deeds they deny Him being detestable and, here we go, disobedient and worthless for any good deed. Folks, this is what we used to be continually, habitually like, disobedient. We were fools. We were disobedient. Why do we contend with those who don't know God, expecting them to be obedient? We need to forbear. I'm not talking about letting sin go by. I'm talking about forbearing. Because they can't help it. They need Christ. They need to be changed by Christ before they can do what Christ says. Don't contend with them. But share the gospel with them. Because we were just like them foolish and disobedient in need of salvation. So first of all, we see we were foolish and disobedient. We need to remember that. Secondly, we're going to see we were passively led astray. For we, back to Titus chapter 3, verse 3, for we also once were foolish ourselves, disobedient. And then we have a participle, which is really connecting to this idea of what we once were. We were this way, and then we were passively here, deceived, he says. You could say it this way, for we also once were deceived. The term deceived comes from the Greek word planaio, which speaks of wandering or straying. And this verb is in the passive voice, which speaks of going astray. It speaks of being led astray. In the active voice, it speaks of actually you going astray. In the passive voice, it speaks of being led astray, thus being deceived. And this is the state of mankind apart from Christ. He says we were once also deceived. We were deceived. We were led astray. We weren't thinking right. Now who is it that led us astray? Who is behind this deception? What is the source of this deception? 
Revelation 12.9, And the great dragon was thrown down, the serpent of old, who is called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. Same word. And he has his minions and imposters who also deceive. We know from 2 Timothy 3.13 that evil men and imposters will proceed from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. The Apostle John makes it clear in 2 John verse 7 that many deceivers have gone out into the world. And Paul warns the Roman church, all the church, to be keeping their eye out for those who cause dissensions and hindrances contrary to the teaching. And why, he says, because they're smooth and flattering speech, they deceive the hearts of the unsuspecting. And we saw earlier in Titus chapter 1, verse 10, for there are many rebellious men, empty talkers, and deceivers. So certainly Satan deceives, his false teachers deceive, and we need to recognize that's true, but we need to also recognize that we deceive ourselves also. Paul says many times, let no man deceive himself. 1 Corinthians 3.18, let no man deceive himself. If any man thinks he is wise in this age, let him become foolish that he may become wise. If you think you're smart, you're really not. Recognize you're really a fool that you may become wise. Galatians 6.3, if any man thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. We can deceive ourselves really well. We have Satan deceiving, we have false teachers deceiving, and we can deceive ourselves. And the scripture says, before we came to Christ, we were deceived. We were led astray. We were led astray. We lived in a continual, habitual state of being deceived. Let me give you some examples. We were deceived to believe that we could find fulfillment through our own desires. Scripture says the wages of sin is death. We were deceived to believe that religion apart from Christ was worth something. James 1.26, if anyone thinks himself to be religious and yet doesn't bridle his tongue, if Christ hasn't changed your heart and ultimately your mouth, he deceives his own heart. This man's religion is worthless. We were deceived to believe that we could live any way we want without consequence. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, this he will reap. We were deceived to believe that God would not judge us for our sins when we died, that he wouldn't cast us into hell inasmuch as it is appointed to men once to die and after this comes the judgment. Or do you not know that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? 1 Corinthians 6, 9. Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor reviles, nor swindlers shall inherit the kingdom of God. We lived in a state of being deceived. Recognize that about those who don't know Christ. Recognize that, that we were once there. If you've just joined us, you've been listening to Equipping the Saints with Greg Lundstedt. You can hear today's message again by visiting our website, etsradio.org. That's etsradio.org. CDs of today's message or other messages are available at our website as well. And as a part of the ministry of Equipping the Saints, all our audio resources are available at no cost to you. Thanks to the Lord's provision through the faithful support of friends of this broadcast. 
To order your complimentary CD, call us toll-free 1-800-596-9144. That's 800-596-9144. If you prefer to request your complimentary CD by email, our email address is contact at etsradio.org. Greg, as we close today's broadcast, does being in the world but not of it restrict us from developing friendships with those who are unsaved? You know, Dave, that's a really good question that I think God's Word answers very clearly. You see, Paul reminds us that bad company corrupts good morals, and and we know from Proverbs that the companion of fools will suffer harm. There's nothing wrong with having acquaintances and developing uh, light friendships with those who are unsaved. But when our hearts are yoked, we are going to become like them. So then, brothers and sisters, as we follow Christ, don't yoke your hearts with those who do not know Christ. Seek fellowship with those of like mind. But as the Lord allows those acquaintances to come in your life, be ready to share Christ in a lost and dying world. As we close today's broadcast, here's an important message from our teacher, Greg Lundstedt. Hi, this is Greg Lundstedt, and it is my great privilege to study and teach the Word of God and to share it with you each day on this radio station. And as you listen, I want to ask you this question. Has equipping the saints been a blessing to you? If so, would you prayerfully consider coming alongside us financially? You see, your financial partnership with us is so appreciated. So on behalf of the team here at Equipping the Saints, we want to praise our Lord and thank you for your prayers and financial support. Well, thanks, Greg. Now, to partner with us, call us toll-free 1-800-596-9144. That's 800-596-9144. Or if you prefer to send a gift online, our web address is etsradio.org. Well, we hope you make plans to join us again right here for another edition of Equipping the Saints. Yeah.